on this episode of the Avershawn Podcast, we've got an unexpectedly long one for you guys. Dive into college football, transfer portal, coaching stuff, uh, everything that just happened down at Jackson State with them grabbing the number one recruit. Dive more into NFL because we definitely have not been giving the NFL the respect that is deserved as the king of sports right now. Uh, do some hockey talk, do some college basketball talk. I go on a little bit of a rant at the end that I think you guys should stick around for. So instead of me taking this intro any longer, let's just get right into it. Welcome, everyone, to yet another Avershawn podcast. Chris is back with me again. Uh, Barcel Ange will be coming up later this week just due to some scheduling issues uh, between you know her finishing up finals and making a match with our schedules. We can't record with her until the Thursday of this week, uh, but we'll make sure to get that done for you guys, get that out there. Uh, based on the numbers we saw, everybody really liked the fact that we talked with her. So why not give the people what they want? Uh, Chris. No time like the present to just dive right into what's going on. So let's talk into what may not be the most like relevant news right now, but I'd say probably the most interesting news, and that is the college football transfer portal. First things that you know obviously jump to mind, Quinn Ewers leaves Ohio State and goes to Texas, especially when a lot of people thought he might be going to Texas Tech. Uh, it's also interesting he's going to Texas because right now they also have an incumbent quarterback, which is why he left Ohio State. And there's no guarantee that he's going to beat out that quarterback just to go back home, which is why a lot of people thought Texas Tech. Uh, also, on the other hand, Spencer Rattler, the noted uh, seemed like mostly a malcontent for the majority of the season for Oklahoma, announced that he's going to South Carolina, which I have to admit caught me off guard. So that, along with you know plenty of other things that are going on right, right now, uh, Jackson State, this isn't even a transfer portal thing. But Jackson State just flipped the number one recruit in the country from Florida State to come to them, which is unheard of in this day and age. And in my opinion, really cool, uh, but just completely unheard of. So where, where are you at with everything right now? So on top of that, you can't forget some of the, some of the statements that Davo. Uh, uh, going famously... back to the well on your hatred of Davo. Well, I don't know about hatred. I think I actually agree with him on this, but we'll, we'll cycle back around to that. Um, I think the Jackson State thing is awesome, but I have some questions. Um, obviously, this transfer transfer portal thing is, I don't want to say new, but the, 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 the lack of rules is new. It's definitely fair game um, for, I guess, quote-unquote everybody, but definitely leaves it very top-heavy. Is there any chance that he transfers out? of Jackson state or he bails on his letter of intent intent. Like, isn't that a thing that could happen? Like, so even though he signed there, can't he just leave in a few months before he even plays a snap there? I, I don't, I, honestly, I don't even know because I want to say that like, you know, you make such a big show of, you know, making a point of going there that leaving there would just seem like super disingenuous, but nobody, cares. nobody cares. No, no. Yeah. Integrity means nothing. So I don't know. So that's my, I mean, I think it's awesome. I, I wish more things like that happened and like, well, you know, the parody would you know, parody equals fun. 
in my opinion. So I'm all for um, signings like this happening. I just, I hope fingers crossed that he stays and that he is a success there. And, you know, um, you know, that, 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 that is a piece that they can build around. Um, so we'll see on, on that front. Um, Spencer Radler, a giant question mark. Uh, his tight end also followed him, if I remember correctly. I know the transfer portal is a lot to keep up with him. I think they but, came out uh, like 30 minutes apart that Rattler was going to South Carolina, and then like 30 minutes later, the tight end announced that he's following him there. Right, which, I mean, makes sense, strength in numbers, but why South Carolina? I just I, – I really don't understand that. Apparently um, Shane Beamer is doing a good job there. Yes. I mean, and obviously that's a, that's a very up and down program. And I say very up and down, but maybe I'm dating myself here 10 years ago. They were somewhat relevant, um, not on the national scene, but they were a top 25 team. Um, and if I remember correctly back then that their biggest flaw was quarterback. They had Connor Shaw at one point, they had Garcia at one point. It was like kind of this rotating cast of like these, C to maybe C plus college level quarterbacks. And so it, to me, it just seems weird. Spencer Rattler would go there. My assumption is that he, or I'm saying he, but it's really, they um, went from Oklahoma to South Carolina. So that way they're still getting some sec matchups for, you know, NFL tapes and whatnot. And so that way they're not just like beaten up on cupcakes the whole time. But they're also uh, – well, so th- they'll get the the shimmer of playing in an SEC schedule, but then also uh, play a team that I'm assuming has some cupcakes coming up, so they're going to get, like, the best of both worlds. So it's probably a pretty selfish move. But, uh, you know, once again, integrity doesn't matter. He also um, – he won't have the same kind of spotlight on him at South Carolina like he will – or that, like he did at Oklahoma because – yeah, I mean, yes, South Carolina feels like a name program just because they're in the SEC, but it's the same. They're, they're almost, without Steve Spurrier there, they're almost a, a slightly better equivalent to Vanderbilt. And I still kind of feel like I'm slandering South Carolina by saying yeah, that they're almost say, equivalent to Vanderbilt. Weren't but, they a 7-6 and six team? 6-6? Six and six? Uh, Well, no. They, so what, what I mean by slightly better is, like, you know, they don't get as much attention paid to them by comparison to like other schools. Like I feel like even Kentucky gets kind of similar treatment like that. And Kentucky football was good this year. You know, I would even say Tennessee in modern era, modern. Yes. But I feel like Tennessee still gets more discussion in terms of like, they almost get the Texas treatment of, you know, is Texas back just on a smaller scale. So, you know, I feel like schools like that just don't get as much, you know, kind of grandiose scale to them. And I could even say, like, maybe a Mississippi State could be viewed a similar way. Mm. But Mississippi State has been consistently good for the last several years. And also Mike Leach is just super entertaining. And when you're Mike in the, Leach. <laughs> and when you're in the same state as Lane Kiffin and your head coach is Mike Leach, that's going to create some headlines. But, you know, could you imagine Spencer Rattler in a Mike Leach system? I'm my brain just broke. I mean, like. I'm not, I, you know, I, everyone has their. Could their you imagine shoes. the two of them just trying to get along? Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's I, tough. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And I mean, once again, knock on wood, like I'm assuming he's that Rattler's staying at South Carolina. But at this point, like, I, I really am not at, 
completely cemented in stone that guys, I think they can transfer as late as like August. Uh, it's it's weird, especially with this early signing period. So right, um, and so I, I, I have, guess I, I have a better comp for you, real quick. South okay. Carolina is the SEC East version of Arkansas because even when either team is good, they're not going to get as much talk about them as like a Georgia or an Alabama or an LSU because they're just not as prominent in the eyes of other people as a program. So, right, like, so to, it's like Maryland of the Big Ten. Uh, I'd give them more credit than Maryland just because they're in the <laughs> SEC. <laughs> let's, let's not be crazy there, Chris. Um, so, I mean, the Ewers the thing is interesting. Obviously, like he's a, he's a Southern kid, so it wants to go back home. I believe he's a Texas kid, actually. Um, I, if I were Ohio State, I'd be a little ticked because, ah, oh, man, I don't know. This is a wormhole to go down. He, he very evidently left school early, left high school early to go cash a $1 million NIL deal in because that's what he got at Ohio State, which is pretty shitty. Once again, integrity seems to be the theme of this. I, um, I, I want to agree with that, but at the same time, knowing that like he was touted as highly as he was, he very well could have thought that he would beat out C.J. Stroud. I mean, there's there's no reason to think, especially with how Stroud looked early in the season, there was no reason for him to not have any belief that he would be playing for Ohio State sooner rather than later. And then, totally. and then Stroud just got it together. So I, I think initially, yes, he went for the money. And can I really blame them? It's a capitalist society. Go make your money while you can because nobody's going to hand it out to you for free. Totally. So. I wonder what his NIL deal is going to be at Texas, considering it's Texas. And I also, you know, think that while quarterback has been an iffy position for them, and I'm, I'm thinking back through the last through their, their last three or four starters and uh, B plus quarterbacks at best, right? I mean, yeah. at best, and. Um, Obviously, like he brings a lot of shimmer. Will he get the starting job? I don't know. There's a lot that can happen between now and September, obviously. Um, he's not eligible to play in the bowl game. Actually, shoot, no. Texas didn't make a bowl game. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, no, he's not eligible because they're not in one. <laughs> um, but so I, I'll i say this. I don't think that a quarterback is magically going to fix all of Texas's problems. Oh, absolutely I think that not. It's, it's a big land for Sarkeesian, obviously, and – you know, they are putting full faith in him um, as they should. I mean, he's a new coach down there. You, you got to stick with your guys. I'm not about just, you know, swapping coaches left and right, but it, it'll certainly be interesting. Um, I would imagine he learned a lot from Stroud and being at Ohio state. So I would imagine he's even better. And he had a I, I year. Hope so uh, uh, yeah, he basically had a whole year of just practicing and taking reps. I mean, I, was he definitely their quote unquote, second string i know that they also have a pretty legit other quarterback behind stroud too but i will say if ohio state is looking at this as a whole so stepping back from the ewer situation they lost burrow to the same thing they lost one of the georgia's quarterbacks is from jt no jt daniels is not a ohio state there was a transfer from from georgia that went to uh yeah there was a transfer from ohio state that ended up at georgia Oh, I think um, it was just it was Justin Fields, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just uh yes, yes. 
Yes, I, I he won was, from I Georgia to Ohio Fields. State. Never mind. I'm twisting that around. But either way, they've been on both sides of the of the, uh, of the service spectrum there. Right. Whether, and whether so, they're getting it served to them or whether they're taken from somebody else. It's just it, it, you would have to imagine that if you're uh, I'm saying this and I'm immediately biting my tongue. Folks, I am not a transfer portal whiz, but or an athlete is, that would is even anybody? be. I'm sure someone out there is. Um, I knowing how Ohio State handles, say, quarterback rooms, just because we're talking about it. Would you ever be deterred if you were a, a you know signing a letter of intent of going to Ohio State, for example? And this could be said about probably a handful of teams across the country, knowing that hey, like. It's a huge coin flip. I could get the starting job and be a stud and get all, you know, all the scouts and, you know, with millions and millions of dollars in NIL now, but then also NFL, you know, down the line. Or two, you go there and you do end up a backup and, you know, you hope, knock on wood, but I mean, not to say anyone hopes for an injury, but an injury happens and you take over the reins or are you just totally deterred and saying, I don't want to sit there. And, but I guess the transfer portal now uh, kind of allows that, that, it, that people would be more willing to sit a year and then transfer. And this is a great segue into Dabo's statement where he said that he wants to bring back the one year. Um, if you transfer, then you can't play for a year. And I understand it's not player friendly, but honestly, this is like, and we've talked about this in the past, and maybe I'm just old school with this because it's how, you know, the era that we were you know, raised in. I'm all for that, man. This is, it's getting too chaotic. And I'm going to be honest. I don't think the NHL, I don't think NCAA is going to do that, but that would put an end to this craziness real quick. Yeah. I think right now what's happening is you could almost look at, if you want to go into like a business sense of it, is that the transfer portal has created an unregulated market where, you know, you can just jump from spot to spot with a little bit of timing. Cause obviously, you know, you can't just go from one school, play two games and jump to the other school and play the rest of the season. Right. But the, the one year thing, while I wouldn't necessarily fully agree with it, it would also be the same thing as like, you know, say our government adding certain market regulations to make sure that, you know, the, the playing field is a little bit more evened out and we don't just have this monopoly, you know, running around taking care of things. But the strange thing is in, in college football, what this is kind of doing is almost evening the field a little bit. It, it just feels almost smarmy the way that they do, it, which it, it's odd word to say, but it's the only way I can really describe it. And I really think since we kind of touched on it for a quick second, or at least I touched on it, that there's another external factor that's coming in that is going to play a big factor into this. And frankly, I, I think it is what's happening at the HBCUs. And this is all going to be contingent on how long does Deion Sanders stay at Jackson state? Because the transfer portal is, a, is ostensibly a, you're currently in college version of national signing day. You know, you're determining where you're going to go to school to play and, you know, you get you got some students in the past or some players in the past who would flip after making an initial verbal commitment. And to me, that's it's that was like a miniature transfer portal. You just weren't at the schools yet. So, you know, th this kid who they flipped from Florida State, you know, and 
I feel really bad. I'm not remembering his name right now, but I don't want to make a bunch of typing sounds with my keyboard to look him up. Um, but you know, when they flip him, he's, they, he's so well and highly touted that they just list him as an athlete. They don't have a defined position for him because he was a two-way guy. He was like the number one corner in the country and like the number two wide receiver in the country. Like the dude's just a freakish talent. And Travis Hunter. Okay. I I knew it was something, you know, kind of not outlandish sounding, but why would you not, if you're him, want to go play for the best or one of, if not the best corner who has ever lived. And that's potentially your position. Not only that, like Deion Sanders has been flipping players left and right, not just his sons who, (laughs) you know, were stud talents in their own right and still are. And obviously they're showing out by, you know, transferring that on the field, but he's pulled guys. Like I think last year he pulled like the top Juco recruit from Georgia and basically stole him from them. So if he stays at Jackson state, first of all, the program down in Jackson state and the people around Jackson state have proven that, you know, with him there, with all the hype that's building up, they like, they wanted this program to be big time again. And I, I say again, not knowing the full history of Jackson state, but I know, you know, all HBCU schools have a proud history of multiple kinds. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, you know, Jackson, Mississippi, I've read reports where like the economy in Jackson has like shot through the roof and done so much good for the people of the area just because the football team is relevant again. The Celebration Bowl, which is essentially considered the HBCU uh, national title, sold out for the first time in years because Jackson State's going to be playing in it. The one thing that I don't understand is how come like SWAC teams don't get into the FCS playoffs. But I feel like also if Dion stays there for a while, that'll get itself figured out. But I don't know. That's just a weird thing that I didn't fully understand. But I'm going to be honest, and I, I could be wrong here. So I'm putting giant asterisks around this. From what I understand, it has something to do with they they want the it has something to do and it it gives more weight to the HBCUs. It gives them a bowl game that they can kind of like showcase themselves around, opposed to a playoff game. Partly because I don't know if the, how established the FCC the FCS playoffs were twenty five years ago. Right, and so yeah, I the, think that there is an element of that, and. Like even like the FCS playoffs is growing a little bit in popularity because you have like dominant programs like North Dakota State and James Madison, who honestly, the best way to create buzz for you is to have like almost dynasty like teams as much as people hate dynasties. So having a North Dakota State who everyone knows is an absolute powerhouse. I mean, of course, it's not on the same level of uh, level as FBS, but a whole heck of a lot more people know about it, especially because we've had more FCS over FBS upsets. And now it's it's not as insane as an Appalachian state over Michigan where, you know, Samford gave Florida a real run for their money earlier this year. So that sort of thing, like it's, it's growing. And of course it's, it's not on the same level and I don't think it ever will be on the same level, but it's growing. Uh, but Sanders isn't just having an effect at Jackson state. He's having an effect across the board. Eddie George is the head coach at Tennessee state. How would you not want to go, if you're a kid who grows up in Tennessee, if you hear anything like maybe you're a Titans fan, I don't know how much 
people in the state of Tennessee like kind of dive into being like Titans fans because I always view that as more like college football territory. But if you're a Titans fan and you go like you see the guy who is a Titans legend, like coaching at Tennessee State. And you have the idea of like, you know, let's build up these HBCUs, do it more for the culture uh, and stuff like that. Why would you not want to do that? The, the one thing that I am curious about is Hugh Jackson going down to, I think it's Grambling. Mm. I, I, that one, I just don't know how I feel about Hugh Jackson as a coach. Uh, but granted, that was on the NFL level. So maybe in college, it's a completely different ball game. But yeah, either I mean, way, like he's, he's having an effect on where these big name guys are taking these jobs. And it's huge. So yeah. if, he, if he stays there for a while, then that could have, going back to the transfer portal, massive implications just in terms of like where players even sign their initial commitments. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that that is probably the best aspect of the transfer portal without a doubt right now. Otherwise it's basically just like kids jumping from a smaller school to a bigger school or a older student, possible grad student transferring from a big school to a smaller school that they can just pad their, uh, their tape before going to the combine <laughs> or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Well, I, like even our school, Towson, we had somebody, I think he's a, a running back, uh, doing a great job knowing these things off the top of my head this week. But I believe he started his career at like Tennessee and then he transferred to Towson and now he's going into the NFL draft. So stuff like that would happen. But now instead of, you know, maybe starting at Tennessee, now somewhere like a Jackson State or a Florida A&M who was in the FCS playoffs. Again, one of those things, I got to figure that out. I don't know how they got in, but the SWAC doesn't. Uh, it, it's mm. weird. But, you know, maybe the, like the Grambling Southern matchup becomes more than just the Battle of the Bands, and you get a full-blown show between them, which, first of all, the Battle of the Bands is fantastic. There is no doubts about that. And then if you can add, like, a high level with, like, top-tier recruits football game in there, the Superdome would be absolutely rocking. And that is an experience. I already want to go see it because of the Battle of Bands, but if you put like high-end football on the same side of it, like I'm there in a heartbeat. I don't care what the tickets cost. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I would just imagine the the entire environment has to be crazy at that game. Oh, I mean, sure. Um, I yeah, I can't I honestly I can't even fathom it. It's probably sick, and I would imagine there's some pretty sick uh tailgating ahead of time um probably a lot of good down south home cooking going on in that parking lot so i mean new orleans already knows how to party totally i mean but those two schools are from out of state but yeah i I got you i mean well yes the game's hosted in new orleans but like you get those two fan bases and actually i think southern is in louisiana um which i think is why they have it at the superdome but but like also it would also just do wonders for the school because, you know, before Dion got to Jackson state, uh, Barcel's doing a documentary on it. So I've seen a lot of details on it. Uh, but like the, the practice fields and the football stadium and all that, like they were really run down. They were not good. And he comes in there and I don't know how much he's like putting into it out of his own pocket or like, you know, doing a whole lot of like booster kind of work, but he's doing a really damn good job of it because there there's equipment, their facilities and everything have improved heads like completely 180 from what they were before and they're they're going to keep getting better as long as he's there so 
again, the transfer portal thing, the one year thing, that's obviously going to come into play. But with the potential, well, let's see if they bring it back. I don't think they're going to bring it back. Well, yeah, but the 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 idea of it. But like, even if they do or don't bring it back, the rise or potential continuous rise of the HBCU FCS schools, I think, is like a sleeping giant that not enough people give it credit for. Yeah. No, man, I, I agree completely. And uh, how do you think uh, the boosters are feeling right now after uh, he landed that top recruit? The boosters at Jackson State hey, or the boosters money. at Florida State? Because notably, <laughs> where did Deion Jackson Sanders State. graduate from? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, where did Deion Sanders uh, interview for a job three years ago? And instead, they hired Mike Norvell, their current head coach. Yeah, how's that going for them? Uh, not well. So <laughs> Now, I mean, I'm not going to say that that – if they had gone the other route, it would be any better. I'm just, you know, cause there's no way of, I don't have a crystal ball to be able to t- tell that. But um, if you're a booster at Jackson state, you are saying, take my money right now. Oh yeah. Because I mean, that's a big, I mean, this school has been talked about more today. I mean, granted, I know they have the documentary coming out on them and blah, blah, blah. But um, five years ago, Jackson state was not relevant at all. Yeah. And now it's a, it's a, t- we're, we are talking about it extensively right now and on top of all the other press and if you're a booster you were just saying take my money let's go where we are you know prime time right now let's go i I think honestly if you're not even like a jackson state alum why like why would you not well so let me ask you this and i know you're neither of us are jackson state aficionados but i'm assuming that their schedule has been slowly getting ramped up I, their I would have to dive like. deeper into that. Yeah, I wonder if they have some some big name games like on the on the books. Um, well, for the some next people few years. were some people were honestly wondering if they would even be able to get like what's commonly referred to as like a buy game, where the bigger time programs pay them to come play them. Yeah, and some people are wondering now with like all the talent that he's bringing in, do like are the schools gonna want to do that and schedule Jackson State? Frankly, because they're scared. And I think that in itself, like the fact that people have to ask that question shows the impact that this is having or that this is having. And I got, it's really fun to watch. Yeah. It's interesting. I I had not thought about it like that, but yeah, I guess. uh, Yeah. I mean, if you're like a Kentucky and you schedule them, I would be worried about them. I mean, I, I mean, even we've seen SES teams even give, you know, top tier teams, uh, run for their money i can tell you who won't be scheduling them anytime soon is washington (laughs) no no montana is smiling somewhere (laughs) i actually i don't know washington may still do it because at the same time who else are they gonna get they're like that that's more of a geography based thing but true like who who are they gonna get uh but I, i think one other way to look at it is it's the same thing as like georgetown and maryland used to go through with basketball several decades ago where there's talk about which side was the one who refused to schedule the other, but basically one of the schools would refuse to schedule the other because they're like at most, I think like 20 miles apart. So who like one coach was just afraid that if they lost to the other, they would lose recruits to them. So, you know, if, if you lose to Jackson state and Deion Sanders, who is not only his own brand, he's just his own planet and you lose to him you you might lose a top end recruit just because you know they see Jackson State even if they like even if they come like this close to winning kind of like a Samford did 
Dion can use that as a recruiting tool to go to them and be like, you are that missing piece to take us over the top and then add everything else that he's using as a recruiting tool. And it's for him, it's a win-win situation, no matter what he does, unless they get like the absolute brakes beaten off of them. And I think the only school who would do that consistently is Alabama. Yeah, no, man, I, I agree. It's interesting. Well, definitely. I mean, I hope that he stays there. I would love to see that. I want to say community, but that just overall legacy cemented. Um, I mean, he stays there for 10 years. I mean, are they eligible to be ranked in the top 25? FCS top 25? Yes, because they were oh. ranked this year, but not right. not FBS, obviously. Right, right, right. So uh, I will end the Jackson State and Transfer Portal talk on one little fun factoid that I learned today. Highest game in terms of attendance ever happened to happen in the state of Mississippi. God, that was a terrible sentence. Um, but you know, the game that had the highest attendance ever in the state of Mississippi did not involve Ole Miss or Mississippi state. It actually, if I remember correctly, it's Mississippi Valley state and whoever their opponent was, but it was back when Jerry Rice was in school there. Weird. Where was that game played? Had to have been, I would have, I would have to look, yeah, I would have to look deeper into it, but I actually think like the, I think what it was saying was like the highest attended game in the state of Mississippi. Wow. Okay. I mean, but that, those are two smaller schools. I, yeah, I don't, I'd be curious to know where that was played. Yeah. So I'm going to try to look it up while, while we get into that. Um, I'm going to also jump quickly over to NFL because while we've talked a lot of college football and this has kind of become like almost a college football centric podcast, just because that's where we started. NFL is still King and bowl season is upon us. But the early bowls, yeah, I mean, they're they're all right. Um, you know, quick note, I hope Maryland wins their bowl game, but I'm just happy that they're back in a bowl game. It's really inconsequential to me. Um, in terms of fun facts, the Army-Navy game, 16th straight season, the under has hit, even after hey, scoring man. 17 points in the first quarter. And I called over- that. No, you're you're right. I just I, – I watched that first quarter, and I was like, the over has to hit, and then it didn't. And I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? Um, hey man, that's just, yeah. All points come at a premium in that game. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. You were right. But we have a monstrous Thursday night matchup coming up, which early in the season would not have looked as good as it was because of how Kansas city was playing. But the chargers have been a little bit kind of charger esque being very up and down this season. They've had some COVID issues recently. It looks like most of their guys are getting cleared to play Thursday. And Kansas City, in particular, Kansas City's defense has really been putting it together lately. And you've got that as a Thursday matchup. A couple of Saturday games, which I'm not really a fan of there being Saturday games unless it's, you know, like week 17 or 18. But all right, they're Saturday games now. But we've got a very interesting slate of NFL games ahead of us. So, Chris, start with give me your thoughts on the Thursday night game. I mean, it's hard to not take Kansas City. I know that the the Chargers are a good team. I'm tempted to say great, but it really depends on the week. Some weeks they look amazing, like this past weekend against the Giants. Side note, the Giants suck. Um, But Kansas City's just been rolling. They're in both trenches. Offense, defensive line have looked significantly improved. Um, And, yeah, it's kind of hard not to take Andy Reid. 
they know they've been there. They've, you know, they've played these big matchups. Um, Chargers are a young team, really haven't. This is a huge game, like you said. Um, so I'm taking Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I want to take the Chargers, largely because I just love the Chargers uniforms. And I also think that Justin Herbert is a stud. Uh, big fan Preach. of Keenan Allen. Uh, really happy to see Mike Eckler. Williams. Yeah, really happy to Bosa. see Mike Williams have the kind of season that he should have been having for a while now. Uh, so he's he's kind of, you know, justifying his position. Uh, at least I think a lot of people thought he may, or at least he could have been a number one coming out of college at Clemson. But he's doing really well. But I have to take Kansas City because if I believe, or not if I believe, if I remember correctly, I believe Rashawn Slater is out of this game. And that is a huge loss for them because not only is he the best rookie left tackle, but people are talking that he might just be the best left tackle in all of football right now. You know, he was having issues to start the season and, you know, come to find out the solution for it was that he would tell his running back or tight end, just stop chipping my guy just let me handle him and instead of having extra help they just let him like let him go out and he it, all of a sudden just he, he was like almost perfection at the position so not having him i think is going to be huge and i think kansas city is hitting their stride at the perfect time i again would love to say chargers win also, Chargers still notably don't really have a home field advantage because it's L.A. and it's the Chargers. Give me Kansas City. Uh, I'm actually, admittedly, I'm surprised the line's only a three. Yeah, I would expect more than that, too. Um, I mean, it is, an, it, it is an NFL game. Everyone's a pro. Everyone gets paid. It should be a really good game. I just, I thought it would be like even more like a, a four or five kind of point line. Yes. Yeah, same. Um, I just I don't see Kansas City losing this game. They struggled early. They've definitely obviously they're rolling right now. They've played in these big games. San Diego hasn't. Uh, San Diego. Whoo! <laughs> Whoo! I'm dating myself there. <laughs> uh, Chargers. <laughs> oh man, that that was a total Freudian slip. Um, the Chargers obviously are a younger team. I think that they're a good team, but they are also wildly inconsistent. We were talking before we recorded uh, briefly about the Vikings and I don't want to put them in the Viking terms, but they are a much better Vikings team where they yeah. still lay a goose egg every once in a while. The, I mean, the difference between them and the Vikings is that they have at least shown the, the ability to consistently win in primetime games. Yes. Well, that's because Kirk Cousins is a, uh, yeah. Kirk well, Cousins. Justin Herbert is just significantly better than Kirk Cousins. That's not really saying much there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Any day, I'll take. I'll take. I mean, I'll take Herbert on my team over. I don't want to say basically anybody, but he's top ten quarterback, easy. Oh, for sure. He's he's the the throw that he made last week to Guyton was just it was just gross. Like that that should come with a parental advisory warning. Totally. So, uh, one thing that is unfortunately becoming a, a topic of great import in the NFL now, especially with the. The next game, if we were to go in chronological order to talk about, also, we're not going to, like, you know, dive deep into every single game. We'll be here all night. But, the, like, the next one in terms of, of importance is COVID is back on the rise again, and the Browns are getting absolutely whacked by it at the worst possible time because they just took out Baltimore, who is having just a, a general injury-plagued season. And now, like, you know, they 
Uh, it, there's talk about, you know, how healthy is Lamar going to be for the rest of the season, if not just this week alone. So Cleveland, it would be in like prime position to take the division, but they are getting absolutely wrecked by people in COVID protocol. And Las Vegas now has the opportunity to, after looking like they're going through their normal, becoming a literal black hole, as opposed to just a fan black hole of a team. Now they have a chance to kind of fix their season a little bit by taking out Cleveland. This is just, it's so weird to me. Yeah, man, I'm, I have a lot of mixed thoughts on how COVID's being handled. Um, And I don't want to dive into that for obvious reasons, but COVID is here. Like it or not, COVID is here. And to put it in terms of a sport that, I mean, obviously I follow the NFL pretty close, but to put it in hockey terms, I, if I were the Browns, I would be pretty ticked that our game is not being postponed or, you know, I can't even say canceled because it wouldn't be canceled, but move to a later date because they are a rectory. Like you said, they, they're like basically missing a, I don't want to say they're in start, they're starting 11, but they are missing basically an entire side of their team. Um, I do think that Keenum is a legit backup, probably one of the better backups in the league. Um, you know what you're going to get with him, and I th- which I think in backup role is crucial. He's not wildly inconsistent. He's also not flashy. Um, I just, uh, yeah, the Browns have to be ticked. Um, Ravens on the side on the on the side note played the Browns and as of today have no COVID positives, which is kind of a miracle. But we've got all, all sorts of other injuries to deal with. So, I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's bringing scary memories of March 2020 back. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, just also of note, the reason why that has come up is, you know, I'm, I'm a high school coach right now, and our season has been put on indefinite pause. There, there is a date that we're supposed to come back, but it's a month from now, so – it might as well be an indefinite pause because they're basically just set an arbitrary date and said, we'll see what happens. But this is just becoming a a major problem again. And it's kind of annoying me to hear people talk about, you know, Oh, well, like things are so tough in post pandemic times. And I'm like, okay, it doesn't annoy me that you're saying things are tough because yes, they are. But that post part does annoy me because the pandemic is still a pandemic. Like it or not. It's here. (laughs) Yeah, so staying away from the soapbox on that one. But I will admit also there's another game that we have to talk about, and it's not even we're not even going to talk about the game. We're just going to talk about Urban Meyer and the fact that he is just an absolute raging jackass. Is it fair to call this the shit bowl? (laughs) It's pretty close. I know the Jets aren't involved, but like it's pretty close. (laughs) I think that description is actually being is very insulting to shit. It's, it's just, when we were making our picks for these games, like not everyone can, obviously not everyone sees these, but I initially filled in my, my cell on the, uh, or the Excel sheet as, I don't know, black hole, just because the both teams are so bad. I I don't know who's going to win. I don't care who's going to win. I hope that Trevor Lawrence looks good because I want the best for him. But Urban Meyer is just such a disgrace not to the nfl because the nfl is, is a disgrace is a disgrace in its own way preach 
So soapbox staying on the side on that one. Yeah. He's not a disgrace to the city of Jacksonville because Jacksonville has been iffy in terms of fandom towards the Jaguars for years. He's just a disgrace to himself. Like every news report that comes out about him, he's just acting like an absolute lunatic. He's de- like degrading his coaches, making them go through their own resumes as to why they're winners and not losers. And he was involved in hiring them. He's getting into fights with his own players, specifically Marvin Jones, who is a well-known, mild-mannered player. I mean, he's, he's been an excellent player for years up in Detroit. And Detroit can, can drive the best of them absolutely batty with how bad that franchise is. And he gets to you know Jacksonville. It still takes an investigative report for it to come out that like they even got into such a heated argument. You never heard about anything like that up in Detroit. So he just, he needs to go. And honestly, I think that the owner of Jacksonville is so committed to him, mostly because he just doesn't want to fire him and have to pay him all his money, which would be understandable if it wasn't having such a huge effect on the rest of the franchise, let alone your franchise quarterback that you took with the number one overall pick this year, because he has looked bad. He hasn't improved at all. And he, ha- he hasn't played in a single game of note that anybody cares about, largely because his coach is a terrible NFL coach. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, we rag on, for example, the Jets that I just made fun of. And obviously their quarterback picks and whatnot. Um, and I, I, I have no doubt that Trevor Lawrence is highly skilled and will eventually probably be a stud. But I definitely think that's in question if he can keeps up with the same coaching staff he has now. Um, Which he has but, no control over. Right. He's not. Yeah, he has no control over that. But also, like, why isn't that getting talked about? Because he has looked awful off like beyond bad and you could say well etn got hurt that's one guy and i'm sorry football is a team sport that is one i get it he's a running back he's a crucial part of that offense or we at least assume so because we haven't really seen that in full force but like urban meyer needs to go man and I, i just what's the chance that he's back next year if you had to give a percentage you think I would say that it's unfortunately higher than I want it to be. So I'd probably say closer to like 60-70% just because I think that he is such an egomaniac and a lunatic that he's not going to resign because one no. he like he doesn't want to be embarrassed the way that he thinks he's being embarrassed when really he's the one embarrassing himself. It's all self-induced, man. It is crazy. Yeah, like he he does not realize that he is the problem because when you are causing yourself to be that much of the center of attention in terms of so many negative things and so many blow-ups, you are the problem. And you know what's crazy is that at the, at the college level, the wins uh, because of all the money involved between boosters and students and TV contracts and whatnot – the wins kind of outweighed all this stuff at the NFL level. They do not care about that stuff. No, they don't. Really, the product on the field is what matters the most. I mean, obviously money, but like you win in the NFL and money comes your way. So like 
I don't know. I mean, I know you're saying 60, 70%. And while I totally could see that being the case, I don't know. I would like to think max probably like 30%. If you're the Jacksonville's owner, not that integrity is, uh, well, something that he believes in either because of his own personal track record. And then we're talking about Khan, right? Uh, Khan, yeah, right? Chad, Chad Khan. Yeah. Um, but like, there's a reason why Ever Meyer was not hired by the Ravens or the Steelers or the Patriots or any, uh, there's a laundry list of teams that have some high integrity within their coaching staffs. And um, not that there were vacancies at any of those spots, but there's a reason why he ended up in Jacksonville. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people think that, you know, he ended up in Jacksonville because he has a lot of ties to the area, but frankly, that doesn't matter. That's right. He had Tim Tebow down there. He had to go uh, visit his buddy. Wonder, I wonder what Tebow's thinking about all of this. The, so the other thing that I think may not play as much of a, as a part as I think it could play in, but there's a possibility that it does play a little piece into this when it comes to the cons is that Shad Khan's son is a huge player in AEW wrestling. And what is professional wrestling, if not creating gigantic storylines to try and draw people in. And you got to imagine he's looking at this going like, Hey, either way, people are talking about Jacksonville more than they ever have before. So this even, is not good press though. I know that there's no such thing as bad press. This or the... No, of course there isn't. But at the same time, you know, if you get rid of him, then you lose the storyline of whatever he's doing and you're still paying him. And people who like get into the professional wrestling world in terms of like the business owners of it. So like the Vince McMahon's and everything in the world that like, they're about that bottom line. And at the same time, like are the cons really going to want to have what is ostensibly just a major financial loss by cutting him. So that's why I think the percentage is higher than what I would like it to be. Just because I think both sides have such a major ego involved in this, that neither side is going to be the one to, to cut the cord. And, and that's what I'm afraid of. So, and I'm, I'm afraid of it specifically because I want Trevor Lawrence and I want Jacksonville to be relevant again. They were relevant for, for a little bit of time, but David Gerard. Yeah. And like Bortles. <laughs> to kind of answer that question that you asked earlier that, you know, you may not necessarily been looking for an answer for, they're, they're not talking about it because everyone's just so used to Jacksonville being so bad that, even though it's Trevor Lawrence and he's the number one overall pick, this is just nothing new to anyone. It doesn't matter who they get. People just don't care because they're so used to that franchise being terrible that nobody ever really thinks that they could be consistently good again. They had that one blip of a season with the amazing defense and Blake Bortles just going full Trent Dilfer. And prime time for net. And that gets overlooked. Yes. Yes, but at the same time, for them, it's like most people are just going to forget about that because, again, they're so used to Jacksonville being terrible that why would they ever think that they could be good? So that's yeah, yeah, that's a big problem. Um, in terms of other major storylines coming up, we are kind of getting to the uh, the part of the season where most of the matchups we're going to get are going to start trending towards uh, divisional matchups to figure out who's going to be the division champion. So, like, let's take the NFC East, for example. You've got Dallas playing the Giants, Washington playing Philly. Uh, you've got Minnesota-Chicago playing on Monday night. That's a terrible game. Hmm. 
uh, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Seattle, and the Rams. They've got some other like interdivision or interdivision matchups uh, that are kind of interesting. So like New England and, and Indianapolis are running back their their rivalry, and both teams look much better than they were not just you know in terms of last season, but where they were to start this season. We both picked New England to win that game. Um, I, I, the odds, right? Like the odds makers, I think right now are favoring the Colts. And I also get it because they're at home and Jonathan Taylor has looked absolutely immaculate as a running back for a guy that nobody really talks about that much. But that game to me just screams, oh, throw your hands up and hope for the best if you're making the pick. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm taking the past defense to be able to shut down or at least contain Jonathan Taylor a little, a little bit um, and forcing Wentz. I think if they just make Wentz's life hell, which I have no doubt Belichick will, whether it's scheme wise or physically just battering the crap out of him, dude, the Pats defense looks ridiculous. Yeah. And is not really getting talked about a ton. Obviously Mac Jones gets a lot of it, but um I wonder what type of game plan we're going to see. You think he's going to throw the ball more than three times? <laughs> <laughs> I would certainly hope so, because they're going to be playing in a dome. So In a dome, also important to note, uh, they are coming off of their bye. So they've had two weeks to prep for this game. Um, I would hope Bill Belichick would trust him a little bit after a bye week. Yeah, and actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think the Colts had a bye week last week, too. Uh, admittedly, I don't have any Colts players on my fantasy team, so that does that doesn't ring any bells off the top of my head. As yeah, I, as much as nobody cares about my fantasy team, that was how I was keeping track of who was on a bye week the week before. No man, that, that same. I uh, I have Jonathan Taylor. Been very fortunate that they did have a bye last week. No, oh, okay. So both both teams coming off a bye, but also I mean Belichick. It's hard to to, to go against him. I mean he's he's rolling. This is what the Pats teams did with Brady almost every year. I say almost because some years they did just steamroll through the entire season, but they always were kind of slow starters. And really after Halloween is when I think there's a, the famous quote from Belichick saying that that's like when football actually starts, or he might've said that after Thanksgiving, regardless, we're in that time frame. and look, the Pats are rolling right now. Yeah. So no, and it's, as usual with the NFL, some craziness is going to happen. So we were talking a little bit before recording. You thought that maybe even Atlanta could beat San Francisco. I think that's a little bit crazy, but it is the NFL, so anything could happen. Yeah, I mean, not that I'm a huge fan of Atlanta. They obviously uh, are not what they were a hand five years ago, three years ago, whenever they made it to the, they, you know, they were making deep playoff pushes, but San Fran is one of those teams that I, I think I've mentioned in the past where 85% of the time they look great, but then there's that 15% of the time where they just look absolutely awful. And the key to that is, is that if you shut down their run game and make Jimmy G actually play like a shotgun game where he is 30, 40, 50 passes, they're going to lose. Jimmy G is a great quarterback if he has 100 yards rushing. Yeah. I mean, really, and, the, uh, the key to it is you can't really stop George Kittle, but just maintain him. Right. And, shut, and shutting down Debo Samuel. You should, yeah, like, you take care of those two guys, which is a tall task, so easier said than done. But that completely changes the game for San Francisco. 
Yes. 110%. So, now, let's move away from the NFL and get into some picks that we will get, uh, dive a little bit deeper into uh, because, you know, these are our normal slate of picks that we pick in terms of, you know, who we think is going to win, actually track some numbers with them. The NFL, especially now that we're finally back to a full slate, just way too many games to dive into. Again, we'd be here for like three hours if we did that, especially because also there's just plenty of storylines to talk about with each team. It is the NFL. They are king. So we'll Can start. Can I cut you off for a second? I'm just, okay. I, I'm, I'm scanning Twitter and Urban Meyer's trending. Oh, dear. He, he kicked Josh Lambeau, their, the Jacksonville's kicker. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Urban Meyer kicked him in a warm-up. That's... Are you kidding me? <laughs> Sorry. As you were saying, I I just at the same time, what kind of kick was it? Because if it was like like a light little love tap and Josh Lambeau's just piling on, but I don't think he's just piling on. I'm sure that was a very forceful kick. I mean, he's still on the team. For him to come out and say that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I digress. Anyway, enough for yeah. my shit talk. <laughs> yeah. So what we'll jump right into now is FCS playoffs because last week we had a major upset that neither of us saw coming. And I'd be willing to bet that a majority of people did not see coming. And Montana state took out Sam Houston state who was undefeated coming into that game. They were the prohibitive number one team in the country and they had won last year's title but now, with that in mind, I'm going to do a little bit of a quick deep dive into their other you know, games throughout the season. And actually taking a look at this, I'm really not seeing any teams coming into the playoffs that would really strike fear into anybody. I mean, the highest or like the best team they played was Central Arkansas, which I believe ended the season at like number 25. Sure, they're a top 25 team, but everybody else they're playing looks like absolutely nobody's. So now I have to ask the question, you know, was their title last year, a little bit of a Mickey mouse title. And by comparison, do we now trust Montana state to keep it rolling and get to the title game by taking out uh, South Dakota state? Yeah. I mean, I, a title is a title. So I, I would like to not belittle it, but I do understand where you're coming from with that. Um, in the spring, I would, however, throw this idea out there is that Sam Houston played a lot of football spanning back really the past two, I, uh, sorry, the past three years. I know that they had the extended uh, fall break because of COVID last season, but those players have played a lot of football and you have to wonder if that played into this at all, just because it was such a sudden collapse. Um, but I mean, nonetheless, give credit where credit is due. A collapse is a collapse. An upset's an upset. Um, good for Montana State. Um, and with that being said, I do not see Montana State pulling up the upset, uh, pulling up the upset against South Dakota State. I just uh, so diving into this game. Obviously, Montana State is super hot, um, but it's and it's easy to say, well, they're obviously just like the total underdog here. South Dakota State was unseated, right? And they just knocked off Villanova, who obviously they were not number one in the country or the top seed, but they're no team to laugh at. Um, and 
there's a, they're just diving into the coaching staffs. There's actually uh, South Dakota state has a lot of history with Montana state. Um, and on top of that, and I think everything, especially with COVID being an impact now, um, as of this morning, Montana state was uh, basically without three key starters on defense, which they're going to need against South Dakota state, obviously. Um, so I'm taking South Dakota state. So here's, here's where the game switch. And I should have given this more credit the previous week uh, because I focused a lot more on them having their backup freshman quarterback in and the fact that he's not really the best thrower of the ball that I've seen, but their defense was good. Like really good. Yeah. They, pick, they picked off Sam Houston's quarterback three separate times. They like the special teams also not too terribly bad from everything that I'm seeing. Their kicker didn't miss any kicks, which as we've known with college kickers, that is important because college kickers are known to, you know, miss a lot of important kicks, but they won the game 42 to 19 with their starting quarterback going six for 11. So again, we're talking about the Patriots only throwing the ball three times. (laughs) Montana state threw the ball 11 times, sorry, 12 times because they had a trick play from what I understand it as uh, that went for four yards and a touchdown. So their backup quarterback or whoever was doing this, whether it was a receiver or running back or whatever, they threw one pass for four yards and scored a touchdown. Great stat line. But they're starting a quarterback, six completions, 165 yards. They had, of, of the players who caught balls, the person who caught the most only caught two. Everybody else caught one. And the player who got who caught to average 49 yards a catch. How much of that was yards after the catch? I don't know. Doesn't matter. That's that's bad. Like that's really bad if you're Sam Houston State. So a little spoiler alert for both of these games. I'm just going with the home cooking for these because I like I, I do think that San Diego State is the stronger team. And South I am being Dakota. Sorry, I don't know why I said San Diego. It's just it's because they I, used SDSU too. Yeah, it's it's just the abbreviation. But South Dakota State, um, I, I do think that they are the stronger team, but Montana State honestly just kind of has a little bit of a team of destiny vibe to me. And the fact that they are not playing JMU or North, North Dakota State just makes me think that they'll end up in the championship game and then get absolutely waxed. So I'm going to take them to uh, win the game. I think especially if last week is any indication that they, they have more of an ability to score than I gave them credit for. So does South Dakota State. So I'm going to take the over, which is currently set at 46 and a half. Uh, same said for the JMU and North Dakota State game. Spoiler, uh, spoiler, I'm taking the over in both games. But, you know, obviously they're, they're the underdog. I think they're going to cover the four and a half point spread and moving on to what I think is like the more marquee matchup. You've got number two and number three, JMU and North Dakota state Fargo, Fargo dome versus my self-described middle finger tour that JMU is giving the CAA. This, I think a lot of people who look at this could actually like make a mistake and call this, the actual FCS title game, because this is a monstrous matchup between these two schools. 
not to mention that it's going to be in Fargo. And by all accounts, their stadium goes bonkers. Bananas, bonkers, whatever sort of adjective that you can describe to say that these people are absolute lunatic, crazy people for North Dakota State football. That place is going to be off the hook. Yeah, and a little side note, to it, it would be pretty sick if we got a North Dakota State versus South Dakota State for the finals. Oh, for sure. It also just – it would make absolutely no sense that they have to go play that game in Frisco. In Frisco. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, just, it doesn't make any sense, but, hey, that's that's the way it is. I, I admit the, the Fargo Dome magic is making me pick North Dakota State because I just can't see them losing in Fargo. But I think this is going to be a tight one. I think it's really going to come down to the wire. I've got JMU covering the four and a half point spread. This one is absolutely, in my opinion, hitting the over. No way that they don't score fewer than, you know, 47 points. What say you? So I wanted to pick North Dakota State, and I deep down hope that they win. The reason I'm not is not football related at all. Obviously, these are two juggernaut teams. We got to see North Dakota State in person a few months ago, and they are freaks of humans. And I, I don't know why. I mean, I, the football program doesn't have control over this, but this is a Friday game. And they have graduation the morning of that game. Oh, I didn't even of, realize that. Of which North Dakota State has 13 seniors graduating now i will say north dakota state's coach is taking a very positive outlook on it and um his quote about it is basically like that's a lot of positives in one day and you know these this is a day that these guys are going to remember for the rest of their lives uh the rest of their lives but i'm seeing it as that's a hell of a distraction i mean it's it's hard enough you're playing a huge game you have a lot of family in town obviously the media is this is this is like you said, uh, kind of the final, um, you know, this is the, the bigger of the two matchups and, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like y- you graduated college, you've graduated high school. I've graduated college. I graduated high school. You know what those days are like. And that that's a major distraction. You know, maybe the guys have to get up earlier than what they would normally on game day. Um, I understand there's no travel for them and that they do have home field advantage, but I'm honestly seeing this game as a push. And I'm literally taking JMU because of that. JMU is going to be on the road, a little more focused in their own hotel. Um, also, you know, on the middle finger tour and looking, uh, you could, could you imagine if they ended up beating NDSU? I mean, that that's a huge victory. That's a, the, on know. their way out the door. Absolutely. Right. Exa- exactly. So I'm, I, I hate to pull in non-football stuff, but when, when di- digging into this team, literally uh, there's a, a, the coach, North Dakota state's coach had a lot to say about graduating. And um, I, you know, I like that he's saying that it's a positive experience, you know, for the families and for, you know, the players. And of course the teammates, you know, you want to see, um, players have balance on the field as well as off the field. Cause we know that life is bigger than sports, but um, I don't know. Graduation days can be a little hectic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 
So the concern that I have when it comes to JMU is that they are super dynamic offensively. And I do want to be clear about one thing. I have been a very vocal JMU hater on this podcast so far. I want JMU to win this game because I think this, you know, again, self-described middle finger tour is a really fun storyline, even though nobody's making it to a storyline. I'm going to make it a storyline. I don't care. I'm having fun with it. But I want them to win it because I think that as much as I may overall not be a fan of JMU, I think that would be a hilarious way for them to leave uh, the CAA at moving over to the Sun Belt. That would be fantastic. Also, because I think that North Dakota State should be a team that moves up to the FBS. Yeah, and I'm I would kinda, agree with that. <laughs> I'm kind of mad that they haven't. So, and I get like maybe the FBS just they can only have but so many teams. I I don't know. It may also just not make sense for North Dakota State. I don't know. Um, I this is a whole other conversation, but I kind of wonder if it has anything to do with the group of five and Power Five kind of dissolving and forming like a mega conference and maybe the fcs the upper tier of the fcs kind of morph into the group of five yeah i wonder if that's what they're holding out for but i, I you know who knows and maybe it could also just be like you know they've been dominant for so long why would they bother moving to a level where they won't win as many games as they're used to who knows but it, it's it's so hard to not pick them largely due to their defense you know i'm looking at the eastern tennessee state stats that they put up against north dakota state last week they only managed three points uh which granted i said etsu was lucky to be kennesaw state so it's not like i'm putting that much weight behind it how good of a team they were but their quarterback threw the ball 32 times only completed 50 percent of them for an average of 2.9 yards a catch that's terrible that is so bad he like he didn't even clear triple digits in terms of pass yards and like their running backs they had a guy go for 35 34 and negative three nice so i'd be the negative three guy (laughs) (laughs) i i you know honestly i'd probably be like negative seven but (laughs) uh, so credit to you for being a little bit better than i am And at the same time, you know, Montana didn't put much up against JMU either. But if I were to look into this, it it looks like either one, they pulled their starting quarterback or he got hurt because one guy threw the ball 12 times. Another guy threw it 17. The guy who threw it 12 uh, 12 times only hit 88 yards. The other guy threw for 44 yards and two interceptions. So I'd be that guy (laughs) on paper. It looks like JMU's defense could be just as good as North Dakota State's. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people will also say, oh, well, JMU's offense is super explosive. So even if their defense is just close to North Dakota State or within like the same, I don't know, state border, since North Dakota is, you know, a huge state, then they could win this game because their offense is so explosive. But as we talked about last week, Montana's defense still gave up over 500 passing yards to Eastern Washington and JMU did put up some yardage on them and they did score 28 points, but not nearly as much as Eastern Washington, which to me is a little bit of a concern. So I think with how monstrous North Dakota state is, I'm just going to take this as a battle of the trenches and and give me the bison. I I just can't see it going otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm pulling for North Dakota state personally. But I do think, like I said, I'm taking JMU. 
um, for the reasons I said before. Um, I think North Dakota State wins this game if they pass for over 150 yards. Because they are such a run-heavy scheme. We That's saw that in person. big ask. Yeah, I mean, they're – so they threw I think, for 123 last week. No, I exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they, they, I don't know. They play the ground pound game. Obviously it's a much different. It's crazy how much of a different team it is than when Carson Wentz was there um, or even or Trey, Trey Lance. Lance. Yeah. Um, but it's, I, I'm blanking on the name of their quarterback right now, but he's, he's a big dude. Um, and he's, he basically acts as like Cam he, Miller. Cam Miller. Well, we got to see him in person, and he in that Towson game, he might have thrown the ball ten times. Yeah, no, I mean that even with Wentz and Lance there, they've always been like a very traditional like run based team, but it's even heavier this year than it's been in years past. I mean, they haven't scored a passing touchdown in the last two weeks, maybe more than that. I don't know, but I just know of the last two weeks because it's been the playoffs, and that's what they've been doing of note. So. Yeah. Like, Again, he threw for 123 yards, no touchdowns. So they just they don't need it. And I think with how good again the the lines are, it's it's going to be hard to potentially pass up watching that game. Although I don't think I have to because I think it is Friday night. It's Friday Um, night. Yeah. Yeah. So I there might be some obligations I have to take care of first to do like birthdays and stuff like that. But I'm definitely catching some of this game. There's no way that I'm missing out on the whole thing. You have to wonder how badly North Dakota State was hoping, at least the coaching staff, well, players too, was hoping that it was a Saturday game because yeah. of the graduation thing. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's huge. But at the same time, is it better to have it on a Saturday when, you know, some players, now that they're done college, if they're not going pro, they might not pay as much attention to the game, go out the night before, have themselves Oof. a little drinky drink. At, at this stage of the game? Dude, college students are dumb. How dumb were we when we were in college? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I I would also, I mean, this is just weird. This is where my brain goes. I'm assuming North Dakota State graduates in the Fargo Dome. That is an interesting question. Um, Something that we may just look into for fun, but, you know, (laughs) let's move on uh, to the NHL, where uh, we're going to start with Toronto and Vancouver. Because Vancouver has been on a hot streak, notably cost me one of my bets last week. Thanks, Canucks. Jerks. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just jump into it. I've got Toronto winning this game because, like I said last week when I bet on the Jets, the Jets seem to be going in more of a tailspin than I thought they were. Uh, but Vancouver has to cool off eventually now that they fired their old coach and GM and made the whole bunch of changes, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I um... <laughs> Like, it's, it's got to happen eventually. Yeah, man. I mean, I think uh, they had a huge win last night. So obviously, they're like you said, they're five and zero with Bruce now uh, running the ship. Um, that's a f- fairly decent roster. They made some uh, interesting moves last off season. Um, but uh, the game last night, I when I went to bed, they had a late game. Um, when I went to bed, they were losing three nothing. So I was like, well. There goes the Bruce Magic. I mean, granted, it's one loss, but there goes the Bruce Magic. Well, I woke up and they won four to three. <laughs> so they came back. Um, and I mean, it's important to note it, it is a relatively young team, and Bruce has had a lot of success um, with younger teams, notably one 
big time uh, in the AHL and has had success basically everywhere he's gone. His message does get stale after a while, but he's just a jovial, like jolly, kind of like a Santa vibe. Like, right. We're in the holidays. He's <laughs> Are got you saying that because he's fat. Uh, yeah. That's got some of it though, <laughs> but he would say that too, man. I mean, so, um, you know, it, it is kind of funny though. Um, for a long time, he's been rumored or at least in the discussion for like, at some point in his career, he will end up coaching in Toronto, which is like being the manager of the Yankees or, you know, um, the Celtics or the Lakers, right? The Celtics or Lakers are coaching the Cowboys. Like that's like a big time um, coaching position. And it's so obviously the Canucks kind of beat him to it. Um, on top of that, uh, the Leafs, uh, uh, I didn't say anything about the Leafs before that, so I don't know why I said it on top of that. Um, well, I have to wonder if the Leafs are kind of – everyone in hockey knows that motive and, you know, that storyline. So, you know the Leafs are going to show up for it. Also important to note, the Leafs did have a game canceled, um, so they will have fresher legs. Um, they had a game uh, canceled against the Flames tomorrow because of the COVID outbreak. Um they, the, the Leafs also rolled the Oilers last night, which, by the way, um, Nick Jesus is one player. Dreisaitl is one player. The Oilers look like hot garbage right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Call he's, it. He's, he's, hey, he's still fun to talk about. He's oh, of course. Fun. He's a beast. I mean, and man, I will I, still refer to him as McJesus because that is a fantastic nickname. Yeah, I mean, of course, of course. He's a, he's a freak. I mean, top best player in the world. Easy, skill-wise. Um but so I'm, I'm in this matchup, I'm taking the Leafs. Um, I do think that the magic for the Canucks does run out. Not to say that they're, they, they as a whole will not continue their hot streak, but losses do happen, right? This is an 82-game season. Losses do happen. Um, the Leafs had a huge win last night, 5-1 um, to one over the Oilers. I, they get tomorrow off. The Leafs are a young team. They're going to have fresh legs. Um, and so, yeah, taking the Leafs on the road. So I will interrupt our quick hockey talk for further hockey talk and say that while we were recording this, Alex Ovechkin, another goal, another, yeah. another step closer to Gretzky. Um, yeah. But uh, so notably when we've talked hockey, I tend to keep my picks a little bit more simplistic because I'm not as knowledgeable as you. And really for me, it, it is just about whenever a team brings it in an interim, starts a new guy, whatever, it's they, they always get a little bit hot and then they kind of regress back to the mean. Look at the Vegas Raiders. They get rid of John Gruden and Rich Pasicchio looks like he's going to, you know, get that team fired up going through the rest of the season. And now they've just become the Raiders of, of norm. So eventually, you know, teams do regress back to their norm, if not all the way back to like how bad they were, but they're not going to win every game for the rest of the season. And to me, I thought their game against Winnipeg last week was the spot where they were going to show, you know, some of that little like regression that's just bound to happen. And I'm going to take a shot again on this one and say, all right, well, they didn't show it against Winnipeg. Toronto's a better team right now than Winnipeg. So they're going to show it against Toronto. Now, the next game that we have, I admit, when I looked at the schedule, I didn't look that closely at how Ottawa had been doing recently. Until, rolling until last night because i i what, what was bothering me when i was taking a look at games was like i was always you know getting attracted to the matchups of the good teams because who doesn't want to talk about that but at the same time for a sports podcast let's show some love to everybody so ottawa and philly both are kind of at the bottom of the league right now 
But on the last night, just smoked Florida. I mean, absolutely dog walked them. So I was going to ask you what was going on with Ottawa, but now I'm just going to ask you what's going on with Ottawa. I mean, man, so I, I'm their owner notoriously came out and said that their that their rebuild is done maybe about a month ago when they were in dead last. I think they had four wins at the time. Um, they, you know, they were not getting points. Um, as a whole, though, like low key, and I know you're going to look at me crazy. I think the Senators have the most balanced lineup of any Canadian team. Um, and by balance, I'm talking about they can play a high scoring game, as we saw last night. I, play a speed I, game. I do want to look at you like you're crazy, but last night, I. I they, Anyone so, who watches so, this on YouTube will tell that I didn't make a face at this point because I was like, uh, am I going to look at you like a person? They have a perfect blend of guy of grit guys, the high-scoring profile guys. So the grit guys, Brady Tuchuk, he also uh, kind of floats that boat between grit guy and scorer. But the Tuchuk family is just obviously freaks like that. The whole family is like that. Batherson's a high-profile stud scorer. He's on an absolute points He's on fire right now since he came back from COVID. Um, Tim Stutzla, he's a beast. That is a name that gets overlooked. He's still very young, very fresh, just got drafted last year, obviously a COVID year. So, uh, you know, not, not whatever. people would know about him to begin with. Right. Um, coming over from at least Germany. In America. Right. Coming over from Germany. He's a big name. On the back end, they've still got Thomas Shabbat. Uh, he's worn a lot. I mean, he's played a lot of minutes. He's still kind of in the prime of his career. He, he logs like 30 minutes for them a night, which is legit. I mean, like, <laughs> if you've ever skated for five minutes casually, you know how exhausting that is. Dude is playing hard minutes every night. Um, on top of that, they have uh, Brandstrom, who is one of the top D prospects. He's currently hurt, but he is on the, on the roster. And then um, Loki, uh, he went back. He chose to go back for another year at North Dakota. But uh, Sanderson is a name, is a defenseman name that you're going to hear up there with Adam Fox, Cam McCarr, um, you know, Quinn Hughes. He is a stud that could easily be on this roster right now. He simply chose to go back and play another year in college. The the Sens' weakness is their goalies. Um, so not, not to ramble on about the Senators, but they have a very deep prospect tool. They are built very well. Um, they're just not getting, I mean, now we're, we, they're five and one in the, in their last six games, but in, in that time frame, they beat, and I could be wrong. They've beat Florida, Tampa Bay, Carolina, Colorado, and one other team that I'm blanking on, but they've beat some very good teams. Um, do I think they're going to make the playoffs? No, their goalies are garbage. They took a gamble on Matt, uh, on Murray and he is currently, um, in Belleville with their AHL team. So, <laughs> so yeah. uh, since the start of December, they have lost to Vancouver, who we mentioned is, is on their own hot streak, uh, which is, you know, not, not a bad loss. Um, they have beaten Carolina, beaten Colorado, beaten New Jersey, lost to the Islanders, uh, beat the lightning and beat the Panthers. So that's a pretty impressive stretch. Colorado wasn't in there. No, I, 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 I said that they were in there. They beat them six to five. Oh, the, yeah. Okay. Colorado the fourth. Yeah. So, man, I mean, look, Colorado, we talked about them last week. Uh, <laughs> that team is beyond stacked. A little weak on the back end with goalies. They're still um, nasty. 
they're they're disgusting yeah um the senators are not winning games and i think people laugh because they're not winning games this team is very 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 well built and i it, the record does not show everything and i mean now they're starting to get some traction it's also important to note they got wrecked with covid and i used uh, uh you know come some comp here to the browns the they had the they had some games canceled they had to play shorthanded some some games and now obviously with covid ramping back up if i were the senators i would be freaking pissed because they had to keep rolling with with basically just saying no it's okay <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah, I digress off my soapbox with that. So I will say, I don't really think I can add too much more to what you said about Ottawa. Uh, so I'll jump to the Philly side of this real quick because Philly is on their own little three game winning streak. But by comparison, new coach. the uh, yes, new coach, uh, maybe similar effect to what Vancouver is going through. But Ottawa is just like you mentioned, more talented, deeper, just, just a better team than Philly. And Philly, while they've been on this little hot streak of theirs, the only team of note that they beat was Vegas. The other teams were the Coyotes and the Devils. So eh, to me, that just screams take Ottawa. You know, it's 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 nice that Philly is, you know, having a little streak here. I'm okay with them not being so great just because I'm a Caps fan. But yeah, you know, at the same time, they just they haven't been as impressive as Ottawa has been. So yeah, I know I, I, I'm taking Sens as well. I think the Flyers are always kind of a flash in the pan team obviously new new coach i mean you can say what you want about that it's from the same coaching staff as previously the boudreau situation they cleared house flyers they just basically promoted mike yo from an assistant coach to head coach um so i just yeah also like no offense but the flyers beat up on the devils last night who they're not good uh they are not playing very well right now. I don't want to say they're not good, but yeah. <laughs> I'll say it. But yeah, the, the, the Devils are not looking too great. So that six to one win is a little inflated there. So let's let's move on to a game <clears throat> that, admittedly, not many people who pay attention to the NHL would know a ton about these teams because they're not in major what you would expect to be hockey markets. But Nashville and Carolina, for teams that aren't at the top of their divisions. This just screams a fun matchup of two teams that are very capable of getting into the playoffs and making some noise. So I personally am taking Carolina to win this. You are taking Nashville. Admittedly, I think I'm just taking Carolina because I know them a little bit better than I do Nashville. Uh, I'll admit that when I think Nashville, I still think Pekka Rene is their goalie, which is my fault for not being more familiar with them. But Soros, man. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and he's a good goalie. He's a very good goalie. It's just Pekka Rene is one, just a really easy name to remember uh, because it's so unique to you know American flavored names. But yeah, I just I take Carolina because they haven't been, I think, quite as well oiled a machine as people thought that they could be this year. And I think that you know at, at some point, much like I say, Vancouver will regress to the mean of what they normally are. I think Carolina can start stepping their game up a little bit more, uh, maybe get some more production out of, you know, some of their younger guys that they brought in uh, as well as like the name that always sticks in my head is Sebastian Ajo. I just, I, I always think that there's just an absolute lethal killer. Even if he's not, he just gives me that vibe. So what, what's your take on this? Well, so I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I made my pick 
um, this morning. And uh, I picked Nashville because Carolina is currently going through the ringer with COVID. So a lot of their studs are out. I know Sveshnikov is out um, amongst Aho might be on that list too. So there Wish is, I had known. That. <laughs> yeah. So there's that, but since then uh, Nashville got kind of screwed. Oh, I, I'm saying screwed. Nashville has COVID uh, as well. I think they lost 12 players. So I'm going to put an asterisk next to this. I don't even know if this game's happening. I think as of now it is. And uh, the plan is for, to assess it tomorrow. Um but I'm taking Nashville mainly because of that. Um, Carolina also, Carolina will be fine. The they'll be fine later in the season. Um, I think Nashville plays more of an overall team game because they don't necessarily have that, you know, the the studs that you're mentioning. They have studs of their own, but they are kind of like a tier below skill wise. Um, on top of that, I take Yuri Saros over whoever's in net for Carolina. Carolina is still a cup con- uh, contender, caliber roster, whatever you want to call it. Cup uh, capable. Yes, cup. There we go. Some uh, alliteration, right? <laughs> um, so it's I am very, an alliteration aficionado. There you go. The Canes are cup contenders. <laughs> capable capable contenders um i just uh, yeah i i don't know i i have a feeling nashville's right in a hot streak john hines is a good coach and i think that they just play more of like a suffocating style um i'm saying that but fast forward to i don't know march and uh this i would easily take the canes barring covid being a thing so yeah um, i don't know if this game's gonna happen though to be completely honest with and with that being said i i won't harp on it too much i do hope it happens uh but largely just because i think like two teams like this could be a really fun watch the last nhl game that i have it's vegas and the islanders and frankly i I don't even really want to talk about the matchup and also for time purposes um you know because we are running a little bit long here I will also be super condensing our last segment, which is normally college basketball. But really, I just brought this game up just to ask you, what the hell is going on with the Islanders? Man, uh, yeah, not to ramble. Um, they started the season on a 13-game road streak, uh, road road trip because of their new arena opening, UBS Arena. They get there. They go 0-4, which kind of understandably so. It didn't necessarily feel like an, a home arena to them. Obviously, they were used to the old Coliseum. Then they get totally screwed with COVID on top of them being an older team to begin with. Um, Also, I'd like to point out the past few years, while I'm a huge fan of trots, I love the style of the game that the Islanders are trying to play. It's very, it's a very heavy game and uh, kind of like an old school, like 2005 post that 2004 lockout where you've kind of got a mix of young guys, a heavy grinding team, um, very good goaltending, uh, I just I think that that was very conducive to a bubble environment and a shorter season on top of the the physical woes of being on the road, being banged up, COVID, new home arena that they're not familiar with, and you've got a mess. I think that they're a good team. I just don't think I don't I don't see them coming back from this hole. The 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 East is just so competitive. So yeah, I'm taking Vegas here. I, I mean, the reason why I had to ask is because I knew coming into the season, they were Stanley Cup, you know, not prohibitive favorites, but they they were high up there and they have been dog water the entire season. And that, yeah. that's putting it nicely. Yeah. And, and like you said, not all of it's their own fault. I mean, a 13 game road series, whatever you want to call it, streak 
uh, just schedule to start your season. That's brutal. And then to come back to what should be friendly confines, but frankly aren't friendly confines because it's unfamiliar. Then you get COVID. They've just gone through so much crap that anyone who even like looks at hockey knows a little bit about it might know that the Islanders were coming in as favorites this year. I just had to ask that question for anyone who listens, who may have thought that, that, and then they see their record and go, what the hell's going on out here? Yeah, no, man, I, I agree. I, it, it is kind of a question mark, but it, I did not see this coming, but uh, I don't think anyone did people that are, are um, well, casual hockey fans, but also those who have ever played hockey, the schedule, I look, I know NFL beats the living crap out of their players. The ho- hockey has the hardest schedule oh, by sure. far. You oh, are traveling with- all the time between three time zones, sometimes four, depending on the year, because they got Ottawa and then they got Arizona. Not it to mention is- the small addition, but not so small addition of going through customs consistently because you have several Canadian teams along with teams in the States. That on top of the COVID protocols that are being ramped up as we speak uh, during this podcast, Toronto, basically, well, all of Ontario just announced that all capacity is now being cut to 50% for fans. Um, not that that impacts uh, the players at all, um, but it, I mean, traveling in COVID times is stressful. On top of that, they traveled. I mean, we were talking last night about you possibly picking a parlay tonight, which I wonder if you did um, with the Rangers. I didn't get a chance to get to the uh, to the sports book. And frankly, I've decided that if I, if it's not something that where I can easily get over there since uh, mobile betting isn't a thing. Anyone who I feel like has to go out of their way to be like, I need to get there. I need to get there. I need to get to me. That, that speaks to somebody who's got a problem. <laughs> yeah. And I have no time to develop a gambling addiction in my life. I'm just not interested in that. I don't want to be that guy. So the fact that I you know, knew that I didn't just have the free time to get over there and handle it comfortably without rushing. I wasn't that worried about it. Yeah, I mean, I but you know, you were talking about the Rangers. The Rangers played a hard, heavy game last night in in Colorado, and then they got to go play Arizona, which on paper looks like a cupcake. But like that travel is a lot, and I think it it, it gets lost. So for the Islanders, a thirteen game road trip, and while some of those games were against the Rangers or the Devils, and you consider that a a, a road game, even though it is busing, you know, you're not really flying there that's still exhausting. And that's an old team that has played a lot of hockey the past few years on top of the style that they play. It's kind of sad. I just don't think that they have the offensive pop to claw back into this. Who knows though? Um, You know, if there's a shutdown and maybe it lets them get their legs back a little bit. Uh, There's talks that the NHL might not be sending players to the Olympics, which would create a little void. So who knows? Obviously, a lot can happen between now and April, but yeah, they're not looking too hot. So I'm picking Vegas in this. All right. Well, let's move on to college basketball. Um, I, instead of diving into the games that we selected, what I'm going to do is just read off the games that we selected. And then I had a topic that came to mind and I want to di- like spend our last few minutes kind of talking about that because I was looking at something and I noticed that there's a bit of a shift this year. And it's not like a seismic shift, but it's something that makes me look at that and go, oh, this is a lot of fun. And I'll admit some of this is spurred by the fact that our school, Towson, has had a surprisingly decent season so far. And that's what kind of led me to take note of this and run with it from there. So really quickly, games-wise, the what I would say is the marquee matchup of the weekend is Ohio State against Kentucky. 
Uh, I have seen Ohio State play also largely because they played Towson and Towson actually played them pretty well, uh, covered the spread against them, which for Towson, covering the spread, I mean, sure, that's one thing. But for them, that's that's honestly, that's super impressive, especially with the team that in Ohio State took down number one Duke prior to that. So good, good loss for Towson, even though there really are no good losses. Uh, but really, I'm riding with Ohio State because they took down Duke. I don't really trust John Calipari after these last few seasons. So I think for this one, I'm just going to ride with the Buckeyes. I think it'll be a really fun game, though. Uh, Chris is also taking the Buckeyes. Chris, anything kind of like stand out to you why you took them? Um, honestly, just looking, comparing their schedules, um, Ohio State to this point has played a much tougher schedule. Kentucky, I mean, obviously they are a notable basketball school, obviously well-established coaching staff. Um I just Ohio State's schedule seems a little bit more difficult, and they've managed it very well. So, taking Ohio State, um, obviously they did. If I is this the, yeah they I oh know never mind, I'm rambling. Taking Ohio State. All right, uh, next one Marquette Xavier. You and I are going two different directions with this. Chris took Marquette. I took Xavier. Uh, the reason why I took Xavier is because I think that they are ready to kind of be a, a very consistent contender in the Big East uh, now that they've had to go through the process of Chris Mack leaving for Louisville and replacing him. I think that program's back a little bit more on stable ground uh, since it's been a few years. I think Marquette was off to a really hot start with Shaka Smart coming back there. Also notable Maryland alum, Daryl Morcel playing for them. Still really weird to see him wearing number 32, but I think that Marquette was a, a nice little story to start the season, but Jumping back to the hockey comparisons, uh, I think that Marquette has been uh, okay last few years, but you know not the Marquette of old. So I just see Xavier being a little bit favored on uh, this one. Chris, why are you taking Marquette? Um, so I guess you know maybe the nitty gritty that you know that I don't. Um, Marquette seems to be having a very solid season, and they just got whooped by UCLA, who's obviously a top ten team. Um, so I just, I'm taking Marquette to kind of rebound against that. Um, and now, uh, with that said, uh, Xavier's worst loss was against Iowa state. Um, which is a good team this year. Well, yeah, which is a good team. And they have Xavier has played well against teams that are, you know, maybe on paper tear up from them. Um, I do think that this is a good game. Um, though I have to say, I mean, I'm, I might be jumping a few lines here that the San Fran ASU game, digging into that seems oh, super you, interesting. You stole to the me. bonus I was going to leave for yeah. the end, Chris. Um, so I, I'm taking Marquette in the in Marquette Xavier matchup. Yeah. Um, so before we get to San Fran and Arizona State, uh, UCLA versus UNC, I, I picked UCLA because I think right now they're just the more stable program. Uh, Chris, not Chris Mack. Is it? Um, Whatever. Uh, the, the guy who was at Cincinnati beforehand, Mick Cronin. Um, God, because I know Chris Mack was at Xavier. That's why I was thinking of him. Uh, but Mick Cronin's out there. Again, they're under more stable ground. Carolina is replacing a legend as a head coach uh, with Hubert Davis taking over for Roy Williams. Even though this game is in Carolina, I do believe college athletics is a lot to do with the coaching, not necessarily talent. Uh, so in this case, I also do think that UCLA is more talented uh, and currently better uh, better coached. So give me UCLA. Chris, do you have any other reasons? UCLA has played very well against every team they've played <laughs> besides Gonzaga. Fair enough. So I'm taking UCLA. 
this one, I, I will just very quickly say Iona Seton Hall. Uh, looks like a fun matchup because Rick Pitino at, at, at Iona, he got some revenge against Alabama earlier this year. Notably, Alabama did look a lot better until just last night when they got absolutely waxed by Memphis, who had looked like trash coming into that game. Uh, so this game kind of lost a little bit of its, of its luster to me, but Seton Hall, low-key, a very, very good team in the Big East. So I, I took Seton Hall. Chris took Iona. Uh, Chris, did you pick them for any reason other than Rick Pitino? Um, well, I'm going to be honest and just admitting how dumb I am. I did not know that he was their coach. Um, I did some digging in on this game earlier. Um, I wanted to pick Seton Hall mainly because a good family friend of mine is on their roster. Um, oh, okay. I, yeah. Fun fact. Um, yeah, Ryan Conway. He has yet to play. He's a freshman. I'm assuming he's redshirt, but he was a highly touted recruit. Um, got some bigger offers, but ended up settling at Seton Hall. Um and I, so I wanted to pick them because of that, but looking at Iona's schedule, this seems to be like their last um, hard game on paper for a while. And so I would imagine that they're like trying to, to secure that win against the, you know, a top 25 team um, has nothing to do with the coaching staff, but yeah. Now the bonus game, as Chris mentioned, is San Fran versus Arizona state. Now I picked this one because Bobby Hurley is on a hot seat. Now, granted, Arizona State won their last game because Bobby Hurley. Their last to... three. Okay, fair, but still, he's still on a hot seat because they just have not been as good as they were supposed to be. And one of those wins was against Oregon, who just looks way worse than I think anybody could have imagined they, they would look this year. So no clue what to make of that. But San Fran, to me, is a super intriguing team. Again, main reason why I got to watch them was because they were playing Towson. Uh, otherwise, I, I wouldn't really know where to go look for their games or something like that, or some reason related to that, I guess I should say. But San Fran is undefeated right now. And while Gonzaga, I will say, is still going to be the class of the West Coast Conference, they have played much tougher opponents. That's not in doubt. But in years past, the West Coast Conference has been a, at most, two-bid league, maybe th- three if they get lucky. Um, doing weird things with my fingers over here. If you watch this on video, no, but, sorry, I'm I'm, I'm kind of in, internally raging. The Caps just gave up three goals in 34 seconds. Yeah, I saw that. I was hoping that you know we could just avoid that one, but yeah, let's just not talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, so San Fran is undefeated, and they've played a, a good schedule so far. I mean, it's. It's nothing groundbreaking. Like they're not playing, you know, the the Dukes or the Baylors of the world, but you know, they've, they've beaten Nevada. They've beaten uh, UNLV. They've beaten Fresno, uh, Alabama, Birmingham, uh, Davidson, which, you know, notably Steph Curry year, you know, that that's when they're at their best, but at the same time, you know, they're still a solid program all around, Uh, but they're, they're very intriguing. And actually, the, the more I'm looking at this, the more I'm going, this Arizona State game is going to be a huge, huge barometer for them and the West Coast Conference, because unless ESPN is really screwing with me, they play Grand Canyon the day before, and then they travel to Arizona State. So big, big test for the Dons. And if you're the West Coast Conference and mid-majors all around, you have got to be hoping that they win both games because grand canyon tournament team last year so they're good 
Arizona State, Pac-12 team, so most people would just assume you would win. But they've got, you know, some some decent wins that could catapult them into the tournament if they have a good conference slate. Uh, BYU has been a little bit up and down. They're kind of like they came into the season as the clear cut number two in the West coast conference. Uh, but those three teams alone, hell, even Portland who was predicted to end up last in the conference to start the season, they haven't been, you know, terrible. They've, they've been pretty all right. Um, one thing that I am noticing as I'm looking at this schedule, it's just a weird thing that I picked up on Morgan state, which is in Baltimore has played a ton of West coast conference schools. Just, just a weird thing. Yeah, that is odd. But the reason why I really wanted to bring up San Francisco is just because mid-major basketball this year is really fun and surprisingly good. Uh, you've got it, – so we mentioned Iona in the MAC with two A's. Um, they are 9-2. and two. They've beaten Alabama, who is almost a surefire tournament team, uh, one of the contenders in the uh, – in the sec monmouth which is a solid squad they might be bringing back you know their bench mob of years past um you go over to the regular mac which first of all has one of the best urls i've ever heard of for a conference which is get some maction.com i like that that is fantastic the the mac really leans into being the mac and i love them for it um, but Ohio is coming back after upsetting Virginia in the tournament last year. They're looking pretty solid overall. Their only losses are to LSU and Kentucky, which it's LSU and Kentucky. Those are both two very, very good teams. As most everybody knows, LSU just doesn't get the same publicity as, as uh, Kentucky right now. But, you know, th- those aren't bad losses. And the fact that they upset Virginia last year – don't take it into account with how bad Virginia is this year because it's a completely different team. You know, the MAC itself could be good. And even the CAA, which is notably, you know, whoever wins the conference tournament, that's the only team you're getting in. They're a one-bid league for sure. But they look a lot of like a lot of fun because just reading the top five teams right now in terms of conference standings, the win streaks are win one, win two, win two, win five, win four. And two of those teams in the top right now are Towson and JMU. They kick off their conference play against each other. Mm. That that could be one super fun matchup. And then you go to a team like Hofstra, who overall is six and five, doesn't look too good. Sure. Who have they lost to? Houston. They took Houston to overtime. Houston is a damn good team. They were in the final four last year. And they look even better this year. They lose to Iona. No shame in losing to Iona. You've got Rick Pitino as the head coach. He's a legend, both, you know, on the court and uh, in strippers banks or prostitutes banks. But, you know, different story there. Uh, They gave Maryland everything they could ask for. And they only lost by two. And really, even though Maryland has been largely a disappointment to what they could have been based on their talent, that just speaks to how good Maryland's talent is that the fact that they haven't really been playing that good or playing that well. And they still beat Hofstra who in years past has also been a consistent contender to make it to the tournament. And they lose to Richmond who is a team absolutely laden 
with upperclassmen leadership, which is surprisingly key a lot of the times in college basketball. So four of their five losses, I don't know much about Stony Brook, but four of their five losses, really not bad. You know, it, six and five doesn't look good on paper, but then when you dive a little bit below the surface, it really not that bad. You know, it's, it's, I'm going to be interested to see what happens to them. They've got Arkansas coming up on Saturday. Uh, I don't expect them to win that one, but I'm curious to see, you know, if they can push Houston to overtime and give Maryland everything that they could in 40 minutes and lose by two. I'm curious to see what happens when they play Arkansas because Mm. Arkansas really hasn't played much of a schedule. And when they played their first marquee game, they got beat. So maybe Hofstra comes in and surprises them. And this is all to say that, you know, it's such a weird time overall in college sports and college basketball is like the epicenter of that because the ACC, a notably dominant conference in college basketball only has one team in the top 25 right now. And when you watch these mid-major games, these teams are good, like really good. So we kind of started a lot of this talk with transfer portal stuff, and we're going to bring it back to it. The transfer portal, in my mind, is why a lot of these teams are so good. And this is fun. I love this. Like, I love taking a look at these box scores and going, it's not just the Kentuckys, the Kansases, the UCLAs of the world. This stuff, to me, is super fun that these teams are capable of beating these teams, not as a one-off, but as a potentially consistent thing. Right, but so let me throw this your way. So, I mean, yeah, you've convinced me with basketball. Is that still going to be the case with football? Oh, no, absolutely not. (laughs) I was going to say, such a different sport. I mean, yeah, no, I'm all for it. I am all for these mid- to low-tier teams, you know, putting together solid uh, seasons and then, you know, trying to make a deep push in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean – I'm tired. I mean, I have nothing against them, but I'm, I'm tired of the Kansases. I'm tired. I mean, UNC for a while, obviously. I'm tired of the Duke. I mean, um, it's nice to see these lower-ranked teams, and I think that's what was so – digging into that ASU and San Fran matchup, I was like, on paper, you know, I had heard you talk about both of these teams, but on paper, this looks not interesting. But you dive just barely underneath, you know, you open the book just a little bit, and you just see – there's it looks so a many lot st- better than you would expect. Oh, insane. I mean, I, I, but even, even if you just look at their, their record, you're like, okay, well, San Fran, you know, like whatever the smaller conference team, 10 and 0 ASU, obviously notably of the back of pac 12. So you're going to think, oh, they played a harder schedule, but San Fran's been rolling and you've talked about how you think that San Fran's like an up and coming team, um, and building a good culture there. So I, first off, the fact that they're 10 to 0 is pretty crazy. Um, but also how are they ranked? How are they 10 to 0 and not ranked at all? Uh, it's because of the conference that they're in. And it, like, overall, it, it's not like they are beating the power five teams right now. They just, they're, they're playing really well against the competition that's scheduled for them. So it, it is one of those where they, the, the committee and the people who do these rankings are going to wait for them to play a BYU, a St. Mary's, a Gonzaga, see if they can pull off that upset before they contemplate cracking them in the top 25. Mm. Well, I look forward to when they do, because obviously San Francisco, that's not a notable college at all. No. So. Uh, to be honest, they're, they're one of those schools that it, maybe it's a tradition thing. And 
at the same time, it could very easily be a financial thing. They just don't have names on the back of their jerseys. So it's not wow. like they're, it's not like they're a Penn state where that's a known tradition. That could just be a financing thing. So who knows, but I'll round it out with this. Towson's next opponent and sue me guys for being a bit of a homer right now. I, I think I've done a pretty good job of, Towson doesn't have many homers, so you're all go for it. Yeah, and I was gonna say, like, I, I think that you know I've done a pretty good job of tabling that. So g- give me this one. Towson's next opponent is Navy. Navy, traditionally good football team. Traditionally good lacrosse team, uh, both men's and women's. Navy, since you know David Robinson, not known for basketball, but their basketball team is also not bad. And, and a good watch. They beat Virginia 66 to 58. And if you know anything about Virginia, the fact that Navy put up 66 against them is wicked impressive. They lose to Virginia Tech, who, as things are looking right now, is a better team than Virginia. No shame to losing to them. They also lose to Louisville. Not a bad team. So no shame in losing there. And all the teams that they would maybe have some like more troubles with in the past the Radfords, the Mount St. Mary's, the William and Mary's, uh, those teams, they're not just beating, but they're handling them pretty well. And then, you know, you see a loss like George Mason pop up and you go, okay, on the surface, that's eh, not so great. Well, George Mason also took down Maryland, who again, disappointing team, but chock full of talent. So that one for Mason was really impressive. So then Navy beating Mason, also impressive. So Towson and Navy that playing as Towson's last like non-conference game before going to play JMU at home, which is a game I really hope I can get to, but I think I'll be house sitting. Uh, But that game, I'm really mad that it's at one o'clock because before I realized what time it was, I was actually considering going, but now that I know it's at one, I'm going to be at work. Uh, But the fact that this game is in Annapolis there are teams actually pretty all right. And Towson's team has become a lot more consistent on the offensive side of the ball compared to how they've been years past. If you're a fan of college basketball, how do you not take a look at that game and go, this is a lot more interesting than I would normally give it credit for. No, it's not a top tier matchup, but this is fun. This is why like this, these are the games that college basketball fans or just college sports fans. That's why they're college sports fans. Because in the professional leagues, you expect the best of the best. But in college sports, you tend to look for the unexpected and, you know, really, really just like love these sort of storylines that pop up. And to me, I am enjoying immensely how, you know, decent to upper levels of quality. I'm not going to say they're great yet because, you know, Again, they're not the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the Kansases, whatever. But, you know, I could see one of these teams. I could frankly see San Francisco upsetting North Carolina. Just, you know, it's it's an upset on name brand. But with the way that San Francisco has played, I could see it happening. Especially with the way that Carolina has been kind of inconsistent this year. That would be huge. Not just for San Francisco, but for college basketball in general. And the fact that I look at that and go, yeah, that's possible. That, to to me... those sort of things i just really love about the sport so i'm gonna wrap not even march yet (laughs) well that that just sets us up for a super fun march yeah i mean and look we just saw that with the college football season granted not as much 
it's a shorter season. It's a different sport, but less season um, in the playoff, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But still, on a smaller scale, we, we saw that. So you're right. But I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, we have gone on for a hot minute again. Uh, so thanks everyone for tuning in, especially listening to my little diatribe at the end there. Uh, again, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, AVG Sean Media, same as always. Uh, and we will talk to you guys next time. Later. Later.